I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, well, glad to see the cat finally left. Thanks for letting me start my show. Oh, hi. Uh, welcome to the mansion of Leaves of Glen. It's uh, where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. All with this little gimmick I'm doing where I pretend to live in a bigger house uh, than I really do. This week, we're going to read The Little Prince by uh, Antoine Dusson Exabury, which is a horrible way of trying to correctly say the French name of the author of this book. It was a book recommended by Wanda, uh, a fellow podcaster with a show called From Words to Ideas, where she interviews interesting people. Currently, she's interviewing uh, military service members and veterans, which I like, and the stories are interesting as hell. I've heard all of them. Uh, there's only five so far. It's a new show, so it's pretty easy to get caught up, uh, get in, while the getting's good. Uh, she works as a translator in French, uh, uh, German, where she's from, and uh, English. So I'm sure that the way I pronounce this author's name uh, just pissed her off. Uh, but she's also too humble to have me promote her, so I'm just going to do it anyway. What's worse she can do? Uh, scold me? I've been scolded before. I've been married. You can find her show on any podcasting app by searching for uh, From Words to Ideas. You can also connect with her and learn more about her by going to Twitter and uh, looking for at words underscore ideas underscore pod. And if you don't want to listen to her show and just want me to shut up about it, uh, throw some money at her. My dad always said that if you don't like something, throw money at it until it goes away. Yeah, Never said that, I just made that up. So go to buymeacoffee.com slash words underscore ideas underscore pod. Ah, she's a nice lady. Let's learn about the author. Uh, see if I can pronounce his name again. Antoine de Saint-Exabury. I'm making an effort to say the name correctly because both my daughters uh, spent six years in French immersion school. And they're always coming back saying French stuff. And then if I tried to say it, they just get mad at me. Oh, they taught me how to say stuff like, uh, uh, Trey Mignon, which means, uh, very cute. Or just to say, adorable, which means adorable. Trey Mignon is disturbing because I know of the phrase filet mignon, which is, uh, baby lamb meat. So that's just saying, uh, meat that's cute or whatever. So that's disturbing. Makes me see that in a whole new light. Uh, but anyways, moving on, uh, about the author, born the 29th of June, 1900, and died the 31st of July, 1944, Antoine-Marie-Jean-Baptiste uh, Roger Comte de Saint-Exupéry, uh, was a, that's a really long name, what is this, ancient Rome, 
just get a normal name, was a French writer, poet, aristocrat, journalist, and pioneering aviator. Uh, he became a laureate of several of France's highest literary awards and also won the United States National Book Award. Uh, he's best remembered for his novella, The Little Prince, which is pronounced Le Petit Prince, and for his lyrical aviation writings, including Wind, Sand and Stars, and Night Flight. Saint Oxenbury was a successful commercial pilot before World War II, working airmail routes in Europe, uh, Africa, and uh, and South America. Ah, he joined the French Air Force at the start of the war, flying reconnaissance missions until France's armistice with Germany. In 1940, after being demobilized from the French Air Force, he traveled to the United States uh, to help persuade its government to enter the war against Nazi Germany. Uh, prior to the war, Saint Oxenbury uh, had achieved fame in France as a as an aviator and his literary works posthumously boosted his stature to national hero status in France. Want to hear some fun facts? Uh, oh, thank God. The grandfather clock's going off to tell me to shut up. So, uh, let's move on to the story of the little prince. Chapter 1. We are introduced to the narrator, a pilot, and his ideas about uh, grown-ups. Once, when I was six years old, I saw a magnificent picture in a book called The True Stories from Nature, about the primeval forest. It was a picture of a boa constrictor in the uh, act of swallowing an animal. Here is a copy of the drawing, and this little drawing of a boa constrictor wrapped around an animal about to eat it. Oh, and that's another thing. The author drew his own pictures, and boy, they're adorable. In the book, it said, uh, boa constrictors uh, swallow their prey whole uh, without chewing it. And after that, they're not able to move, and they sleep uh, through the six months that they need for digestion. I pondered uh, deeply, then over the adventures of the jungle. And after some work with a colored pencil, I succeeded in making my first drawing. My drawing number one, uh, it looked like this. It kind of just looks like a silhouette of a hat, just sitting there, looking at it straight from the side. I showed my masterpiece uh, to the grown-ups and asked them whether the drawing uh, frightened them. Yeah, but they answered, frightened? Yeah, why would it want to be frightened by a hat? Oh, hey, look at that, I called it. My drawing was not a picture of a hat. It was a picture of a boa constrictor digesting an elephant. But since the grown-ups were not able to understand it, I made another drawing, and I drew the inside of the boa constrictor so that the grown-ups could see it clearly. They always need to have things explained. My drawing, number two, looked like this. And it looks like a elephant standing with some sort of tarp over it uh, and you're sort of seeing on the inside. The grown-up's response this time was to advise me to lay aside my drawings of boa constrictors, whether from the inside or the outside, and devote myself instead to geography, history, uh, arithmetic, and uh, grammar. That is why, at the age of six, I gave up what might have been a magnificent career as a painter. 
Oh, I'd been disheartened by the failure of my drawing number one and my uh, drawing number two. Grown-ups never understand anything by themselves, and it is tiresome for children to always and forever be explaining things to them. So then I chose uh, another profession uh, and learned to pilot aeroplanes. I have flown a little over all parts of the world, and it is true that geography has been very useful to me. At a glance, oh, I can distinguish China from uh, from Arizona. Huh? And if one gets in the, in the night, uh, such knowledge is valuable. In the course of this life, I have had a great many encounters with a great many people and have been uh, concerned with the matters of consequence. I have lived a great deal among grown-ups, then I have seen them intimately, close at hand, and that hasn't uh, much improved my opinion of them. Uh, whenever I met one of them, uh, who seemed to me to be a clear-sighted, I tried to experiment of, of showing him my drawing number one, uh, which I have always kept, and I would try to find out so if this was a person of true understanding. But whoever it was, uh, he or she would always say, eh, that's a hat. Well, now I just feel bad. It looks like a hat to me. Am I a bad person now? This book's making me feel uh, seriously judged. I can see why Wanda recommended this to me. It's a, it's a snub. Then I would never talk to that person about boa constrictors or primeval forests or stars. I would bring myself down to his level. Oh, well, here we go. So I'm the moron. I would talk to him uh, about bridge and, uh, and golf and uh, politics, and uh, neckties. And the grown-up would be greatly pleased uh, to have met such a sensible man. Well, I, if he talked to me about neckties, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I got a couple, and then we talk about it. Why am I the bad guy? Chapter 2. The narrator crashes in the desert and makes the acquaintance of the little prince. So I have lived my life alone without anyone uh, that I could really talk to, until I had an accident with my plane in the desert of the Sahara six years ago. Something was broken in my engine, and as I had with me, uh, neither a mechanic uh, nor passengers, I sat myself to attempt the difficult repairs alone. It was a question of life or death for me, and I had scarcely enough drinking water to last a week. The first night, then, I went to sleep and, uh, on the sand, yeah, a thousand miles from any human habitation, and I was more isolated than a, a shipwrecked sailor ah, on a raft in the middle of the ocean. Thus, you can imagine my amazement at sunrise when I was awakened uh, by a uh, odd little voice, and it said, hey, if, you, if you please, uh, draw me a sheep. Uh, what? Draw me a sheep. I jumped to my feet, completely thunderstruck. I blinked my eyes, and I looked carefully all around me, and I saw the most extraordinary small person ah, who stood there examining me with great seriousness. Uh, here uh, you may see the best portrait that later I was able to make of him, uh, but my drawing is certainly very much less charming than its model. Well, I don't want to describe this drawing, because if I describe this drawing, I'm probably going to be wrong, and it's just going to show that I'm a horrible person. It's, it's, it's a flamboyant 
child in a coat with little stars on his shoulders. Uh, that, however, is not my fault. The grown-ups discouraged me in my painter's career when I was six years old. and I've never learned to draw anything uh, except boas from the outside. And, uh, well, boas from the inside. Now I stare at this sudden apparition with my eyes fairly starting out of my head in astonishment. Remember, I had crashed in the desert uh, a thousand miles from any inhabited region. And yet, my little man seemed neither to be uh, staying uncertainly among the sands, nor to be fainting from fatigue or hunger or thirst or fear. Nothing about him gave any suggestion of a child lost in the middle of the desert, a thousand miles from any human habitation. When I last was able to speak, I said to him, But, uh, what are you doing here? And in answer, he repeated very slowly, as if we were speaking of a matter of great consequence, If you please, draw me a sheep. When a mystery is too overpowering, one dare not disobey. Absurd as it might seem to me, a thousand miles from any human habitation in the danger of death, I took out of my pocket a sheet of paper and my fountain pen. But then I remembered, uh, for all my studies had been uh, contained on geography, history, arithmetic, and grammar, that I had little, uh, I told the little chap, uh, very crossly too, that I did not know how to draw. And he answered to me, Dad, does a man draw me a sheep? But I had neither drawn a sheep, so uh, I drew for him uh, one or two pictures I had drawn so often. Uh, it was that of a boa constrictor from the outside, and I was astounded to hear the little Phil greet it with, Oh, no, no, I don't want an elephant inside a boa constrictor. Oh, well, all right. I hate how this book is already just rubbing into my face that I failed the first test. A boa constrictor is a very dangerous creature, and an elephant is a very cumbersome. Uh, where I live, everything's uh, very small, and what I need is a sheep. Draw me a sheep. And so I made a drawing. And there's a drawing of a sheep that's kind of clumsy looking. And it's got some, the four, the, the legs in the front are real, real awkward. He looked at it carefully and he said, uh, No, the sheep is already very sickly. Oh, look at that. I picked that out. Uh, make me another. So I made another drawing. Oh, this sheep just kind of looks like it's satanic. Uh, my friend smiled gently and indolently. Uh, you see yourself, he said. Uh, that's not a sheep. That's a ram. Look at me. I'm finally passing the tests. It has horns. And so then I did my drawing over once more. Well, this one looks like a, a playful little sheep frolicking. But it was rejected too, just like the others. This one is too old. Oh, old sheep can't frolic. I, I want a sheep that'll live a, a long time. By this time, my patience was exhausted because I was in a hurry to start taking my engine apart, so I tossed off this drawing, which looks like a box with three holes in the front, and I threw it out of uh, explanation with it. Uh, this is only the box. Uh, the sheep uh, you asked for is inside. And I was very surprised to see a light break over the face of the young judge. Uh, that is exactly why the way I wanted it. Uh, do, do you think that this sheep will have to have a, a great deal of grass? Uh, why? Because where I live, uh, everything's very small. <laughs> there will surely be enough grass for him, I said. It's a very small sheep that I have given you. He bent his head over the drawing. No, not so small that. Uh, look, he's gone to sleep. 
And that is how I made the acquaintance of the little prince. Chapter 3. The narrator learns more about from where the little prince came. It took me so long uh, time to learn where he came from. The little prince, who asked me so many questions, never learned to hear the ones I asked him. It was uh, from words dropped by chance that, little by little, everything was revealed to me. The first time he saw my airplane, for instance, I shall not draw my airplane, for that would be much too complicated for me. He asked me, what's that object? It's not an object. It flies. It's an airplane. It's my airplane. And I was so proud, too. Have him learn that I could fly. He cried out then, What? Uh, You dropped down from the sky? Yes, I answered modestly. Ah, that's funny. And the little prince broke into a a lovely peal of laughter. (laughs) Ha ha ha, which irritated me very much. I like my misfortunes to be taken seriously. Then he added, So you too come from the sky? Which is your planet? Yeah. At that moment, I caught a gleam of light in the uh, impenetrable mystery of his presence, and I demanded abruptly, do you, do you come from another planet? But he did not reply. He tossed his head gently without uh, taking his eyes from my plane. It is true that uh, on that you can have come from very far away. And he sank into a reverie, which lasted a long time. Then, taking uh, my sheep out of his pocket... He buried himself in the contemplation of his treasure. Sorry, I got this PDF that I put on my Kindle, and it has got the smallest font in the world. So I'm struggling over here with my 47-year-old eyeballs trying to read this tiny font. You can imagine how my curiosity was aroused by his half-confident about the other planets. I made a great effort, therefore, to find out more on this subject. Burp, my little man! Where do you come from? What is this where I live of which you speak? Where do you want to take your sheep? And after reflective silence, he answered, Ah, the thing that is so good about the box you have given me is that at night he can use it as his house. So, and if you are good, I will give you a a string, too, that you can uh, uh, tie him to during the day and, uh, and post the tie to him. But the little prince seemed shocked by the offer. Tie him? Uh, What a queer idea. Oh, if you don't tie him, I said, he'll wander somewhere and get lost. My friend broke into another peal of laughter. (laughs) But where where do you think you'll go? Oh, anywhere. Straight ahead of him. Then the little prince said earnestly, That doesn't matter. Where I live, everything is oh so small. And with perhaps a hint of sadness, he added, straight ahead of him, no one can go very far. Chapter 4. The narrator speculates as to which asteroid uh, from which the little prince came. I had thus learned a second fact of great importance. This was the planet, wow, it's a small font, which the little prince came from is scarcely any larger than a house, exclamation point. But that did not really surprise me much. I knew very well that in addition to the great planets such as Earth, uh, Jupiter, uh, Mars, Venus, to which we had given names, there are also hundreds of other 
uh, some of which are so small that it has to be a hard time seeing them through a telescope. Uh, when an, an astronomer discovers one of these, he does not give it a name, but only a number. He might call it, uh, for example, Asteroid uh, 325. Then there's a picture of a man sitting in front of a giant telescope that just kind of keeps kaleidoscoping out, and he's wearing a Fez hat, which is adorable. I have serious reason to believe that the planet from which the little prince uh, came is the asteroid known as B612, which sounds like a vitamin shot. This asteroid has only once been seen through the telescope. Uh, that was by a Turkish astronomer in 1909, which explains the picture I just described. Next picture, a man with a hat looking like Napoleon's hat pointing at a painting. On making his discovery, the astronomer, uh, astronomer, okay, well, it's been a long night, had presented it to the uh, International Astronomical Congress in great demonstration. But he was in Turkish costume, and so nobody would believe what he said. Oh, <laughs> grown-ups are like that. Okay, well, he's he's not intentionally being racist. So now it shows a guy kind of like in a in a suit with a hat pointing at the painting. It's on an easel, but it also just shows a bunch of diagrams. Fortunately, however, the reputation of asteroid B612, a Turkish uh, dictator, made a law that his subjects, under pain of death, should uh, change to European costume. So, in 1920, the astronomer gave his demonstration all over again, dressed with impressive style and elegance. And this time, everyone accepted his report. If I had told you these details about the asteroid and made a note of its number for you, it is on account of the grown-ups and their ways when you tell them that you have made a new friend. And they never eh, ask you any questions about the essential matters. And they never say to you, hey, what, is, what does his voice sound like? What games does he love to best? Does he collect butterflies? Instead, they demand, uh, how old is he? How many brothers does he have? How much does he weigh? <laughs> I've, I have two daughters that are in their teens. Whenever they get new friends, of course, I ask questions. I've never asked, how much do they weigh? But I'm going to now. How much uh, money does his father make? Only from these figures do they think they have learned anything about him. If you were to say to grown-ups, I saw a beautiful house made of rosy brick uh, with geraniums in the windows and doves on the roof. They would not be able to get any idea of the house at all. You'd have to say to them, uh, I saw a house that cost $20,000. And they'd exclaim, oh, what a pretty house that is. Just so you might say to them, the proof that this little prince existed is that he was so charming, that he laughed, uh, that he was looking for sheep. If anyone wants sheep, that's proof that he exists. <laughs> that it was, uh, what would you do to tell them that? Ah, they'd shrug their shoulders and treat you like a, like a child. But if you said to them, uh, the planet that you came from is asteroid B612, uh, then they would be convinced and leave you in peace from their questions. Ah, they like that. Uh, one must not hold it against them. Children should always uh, show a great forbearance uh, toward grown-up people. But certainly, for us who understands life, figures are a matter of indifference. I should have liked to begin this story in the fashion of fairy tales. I should have liked to say, uh, once upon a time, 
Yeah, this little prince who lived on a planet that was scarcely any bigger than himself and who uh, had need of a sheep. To those who understand life, that would have given a much greater air of truth to my story. For I do not want anyone to read my book carelessly. I have suffered too much grief in setting down these memories. Six years have passed uh, since my friend went away from me with his sheep. If I try to describe him here... It is to make sure that I shall not forget him, and to forget my friend is sad. Not everyone has a friend, and if I forget him, I may become like the grown-ups who are no longer interested in anything but uh, figures. It is for that purpose, again, that I have bought a box of paints and uh, some pencils. It is hard to take up drawing again at my age, but I have never made any pictures except those of the boa constrictor from the outside and the boa constrictor from the inside since I was six. I shall certainly try to make my portraits as true as possible, but I am not sure of uh, success. One drawing goes along all right, and another has no resemblance to a subject. I uh, make some errors, too, in Little Prince's height, and... Uh, one place is too tall, and other is too short, and I feel some doubts about the, the color of his costume, so I fumble along as best I can, now good, now bad, and I hope generally fair to middling. In certain, uh, more important details, I shall make mistakes. Also, but that is something that uh, will not be my fault. My friend never explained anything to me. He thought, perhaps, that I was like himself, but I, alas, do not know how to see sheep uh, through the walls of boxes. Perhaps I'm a little like the grown-ups. I have grown too old. Well, with that, uh, why don't you and I retire up to the master bedroom, where I can curl up with you and whisper gently into your ear the newest upcoming romance novels from Penguin Random House Books. Hold on. Here I come. All right, I'm back. I'm sorry, I had to go to the bathroom. It just seems like sort of a, yeah, yeah, kind of night. Oh, look at you, you're wearing a, a nice silky outfit. It's very attractive, very sensual of you, but it also seems run-of-the-mill and uh, non-challenging. I'm not even going to tell you to change clothes, uh, because uh, for some reason I got a feeling it's going to be fitting for what we read from Penguin Random House, new upcoming uh, romance novel. It's Freed by E.L. James. Uh, the Fifty Shades Freed is told by Christian. It's just a, a copy of what Stephanie Meyer was doing with it. Uh, oh, it's the audiobook. This has already been published. Great. Uh, relive the sensuality and the romance verb and the drama of Fifty Shades Freed through the thoughts, reflections, and dreams of Christian Grey. Ugh. E.L. James revisits the world of Fifty Shades with a deeper and darker take on the love story that's enthralled millions of readers around the globe. You are cordially invited, well, that sounds fancy, to the wedding of the decade. Well, sounds like a big deal when Christian Grey will make Anastasia steal his wife. But is he really husband material? Oh, his dad's unsure. His brother wants to organize one hull of a bachelor party. That's H-E-L-L-U-V-A bachelor party, and his fiancée won't vow to obey. Still, 
I read the first book with Ben, and we hated every minute of it. What is this, like nine books in, and she still won't... Okay, fine. And the marriage brings out its own challenges. All the passion for each other burns hotter and deeper than ever. But Anna's defiant spirit continues to stir Christian's darkest fears and test his needs of control as old rivalries and resentments endanger them both. One misjudgment threatens to tear them apart. Can Christian overcome the nightmares of his childhood and the torments of his youth and save himself? And once he's discovered the truth of his origins, uh, he can find forgiveness and accept Anna's unconditional love. Can Christian finally be freed? Well, if this, uh, this story is something you still care about, uh, it's coming out on June 1st, uh, 2021, uh, for 55 bucks for the CD. Great. Uh, so you can look for that on Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, Bookshop.org, Indiebound, Powell's, and uh, Walmart. So, uh, well, that was a turd fest. I apologize to you. I was hoping for a good sensual evening, and all we got was that. Oh, this podcast is turning out to be a miserable failure so far. Why don't I uh, let you know about a better podcast, one that's better than mine, uh, the Booze and Spirits podcast, which actually sent me a promo. So why don't you listen to that before we dive into uh, the next chapter of this book. So, I had intended to, like, write us a script for a promo, but it totally whiffed my brain. What do you think we should have in a promo, just... Do you like scary stuff talked about by a bunch of I feel like others might be hesitant to use a promo with the word <laughs> you don't say it in mixed company. Let's just start with, I'm Nick, I'm Katie, the host of the Business Spirit Podcast. And then... I think it's better if, if you just do both the voices. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nick McDonald. I'm Kate McDonald. This is Business Spirit's Podcast. Well, I mean, there's a thousand podcasts of people talking spooky shit. Exactly. The only thing that differentiates this is... We're shit shows. We're shit shows. And we have the original cocktail angle. That was the main thing. Do you like gins? And gin? (laughs) Have you ever had booze and booze? (laughs) Do you like spirits and spirits? I feel like there's something you can make here. Do you like to mix Everclear with the Ever After? Somebody watching you while you're drinking white cloth. <laughs> Have you ever seen an apparition on Long Island while drinking white cloth? My sobriety hurts. Whether you pee yourself from terror or pee yourself from laughing, you're gonna pee yourself. <laughs> Pee yourself because you drank too much. There you go. The, the, we, the trifecta of peeing yourself. <laughs> the Booze and Spirits Podcast. The trifecta of peeing yourself. Available on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and wherever finer podcasts are sold. Chapter 5 We are warned as to the dangers of the Baobabs. As each day passed, I would learn in our talk something about the little prince's planet, his departure from it, his journey. The information uh, would come very slowly, 
uh, as it might, chance to fall from his thoughts. Uh, it was in this way that I heard on the third day about the catastrophe of the Baobabs. This time, uh, once more, I had the sheep to thank for. For the little prince asked me abruptly, as if I seized uh, by a grave doubt, Is it true, isn't it, that sheep eat little bushes? Uh, yes, that is true. Ah, I am glad. I didn't understand why it was so important that sheep should eat little bushes, but the little prince added, Then it follows they also eat uh, baobabs. I pointed out to the little prince that baobabs were not like little bushes, but on the contrary, trees as big as castles. And that even if he took a, a whole herd of elephants away with him, the herd would not eat up a single baobab. And then there's a drawing of a bunch of elephants stacked on top of each other, and kind of like in a cross, and in the center is just kind of a big golden globe. The idea of a herd of elephants nah, made the little prince laugh. We would have put them one on top of the other, he said, but he made a wise comment. Before they grow so big, the baobabs start out by being little. That is strictly correct, I said. But why do you want the sheep to uh, eat the little baobabs? He answered me at once, oh, come, come, as if he were speaking of something that was self-evident, and I was obliged to make a great mental effort to solve this problem without any assistance. Indeed, as I learned, there were on the planet where the little prince lived, as on all planets, good plants and bad plants. In consequence, there were good seeds for good plants and bad seeds from bad plants, but uh, seeds are invisible. Oh, they sleep deep in the heart of the earth's darkness until one among them is seized with a desire to awaken. Then this little seed will stretch itself and begin, and, ah, yeah, timidly at first, to push a charming little sprig inoffensively uh, upward toward the sun, as if it were only a sprout of radish or the sprig of a rose bush. One would let it grow wherever it might wish, but when it's a bad plant, one must destroy it as soon as possible, and the very instant that one recognizes it. Now, there were some terrible seeds on the planet, and it was the home of the little prince, and these were the seeds of the baobab. The soil of that planet was infested with them. A baobab is something you will never, never be able to get rid of, if you attend to it too late, it spreads over the whole planet, and it pours clear through with its roots, and if the planet's too small, and the baobabs are too many, it'll split it in pieces. And there's a picture of uh, the little prince wearing a green suit, uh, kind of a green jumpsuit, which is pretty awesome of him, uh, on a planet that looks real small, uh, it's real round underneath his feet, and he's trying to dig up a root of something. It's a question of uh, discipline, said the little prince later on. When you've finished your own toilet in the morning, <laughs> then it's time to attend the toilet of your planet, just so, with the greatest care. Clearly, back in the 1940s, using the term toilet in French meant something far different than it does now. You must see to it that you pull up regularly all the bail bombs at the very first moment. Uh, when they can be distinguished from their rose bushes, which they resemble so closely at their earliest youth. It's a very tedious work, the little prince added, but very easy. And one day he said to me, you ought to make a beautiful drawing so that the children where you live can see exactly how all this is. Uh, that would be very useful to them if they were to travel someday. Sometimes, he added, there is no harm in putting off a piece of work until another day. 
But when it is a matter of bail, Bobs, that always means a catastrophe. I knew a planet that was inhabited by a uh, lazy man. He neglected three little bushes. So, as Little Prince described it to me, I made a drawing of that planet, which I see right here. Uh, three giant wrinkly trees wrapped around a tiny little globe, and a man in a red jumpsuit, because everything's about jumpsuits, uh, looking kind of confused, holding his uh, shovel. So, as the little prince described to me, I have made a drawing of that planet, and I do not much like to take the tone of a moralist, but the danger of the Baobabs is so little understood. Uh, and so much considerable risks would be run anyone by anyone who might get lost on an asteroid, uh, that for once I am breaking through my reserve. Children, I say plainly, watch out for the Baobabs. My friends like myself, have been skirting this danger for a long time without ever knowing it. And so it is for them that I have worked so hard over this drawing. The lesson which I pass on by this means is worth all the trouble it has cost me. Perhaps, that you'll ask me, why are there no other drawings in this book as magnificent, as impressive as this drawing of the Baobabs? The reply is simple. I have tried, but with the others I have not been successful. When I made this drawing of the Baobabs, I was carried beyond myself by an inspiring force of urgent necessity. Chapter 6 The Little Prince and the Narrator Talk About uh, Sunsets Oh, Little Prince, bit by bit I came to understand the secrets of your sad little life. For a long time you have found your only entertainment in the quiet pleasure of looking at a sunset. I learned that the new detail of the morning of the fourth day, when you said to me, ah, I'm very fond of sunsets. Come, let us go look at a sunset now. But, but we must wait, I said. Ah, wait for what? For the sunset. It must wait until it's time. At first you seemed to be very much surprised, and then you laughed to yourself. Ah, you said to me, I'm always uh, thinking that I'm at home. Just so everyone knows that when it's noon in the United States, the sun is setting over France. And there's a picture of a little prince with a big long scarf sitting in a, sitting in a little chair on a small planet with a bunch of weeds and just kind of looking out at the sunset. If you can fly to France in one minute, you go straight into the sunset right from noon. Unfortunately, France is ah, too far away for that. But on your tiny planet, my little prince, all you need to do is move your chair a few steps and you can see the end of day and the twilight falling uh, whenever you like. One day, he said to me, I saw the sunset uh, 44 times. And a little later, you added, you know, one loves the sunset. When one is so sad. Were you so sad then, I asked, on the 44 sunsets? But the little prince made no reply. Chapter 7. The narrator learns about the secret of the little prince's life. On the fifth day, again, as always... It was thanks to the sheep, the secret of the little prince's life was revealed to me abruptly without anything leading up to it, and as if the question had been born of long and silent meditation on this problem, he demanded, The sheep! If it uh, eats little bushes, does it uh, eat flowers too? A sheep, I answered, eats anything it can find reach. 
Even flowers have thorns? Yes, even flowers have thorns. And the thorns, uh, what use are they? I did not know. At that moment, I was very busy trying to unscrew a bolt that had got stuck in my engine, and I was very much worried, for it was becoming clear to me that the breakdown of my plane was extremely serious, and I had uh, so little drinking water left that I had to fear for the worst. And the thorns? What use are they? Little Prince never let go of the question once he had asked it. As for me, I was upset over the bolt. And I had answered with the first thing that came into my head. Eh, the, the thorns are no use at all. I flowers just have thorns for spite. No. There was a moment of complete silence. Then Little Prince flashed back at me with a kind of resentfulness. I don't believe you. Flowers are weak creatures. Uh, they are... Ooh, I got a messed up thing happening here in my PDF. N-A, then a Japanese symbol, E. They reassure themselves as best they can. I want to say, like, naive, maybe. That Japanese symbol's really ruining that word. You could name? They reassure themselves as best they can. They, they believe that their thorns are terrible weapons. I didn't answer. At that instant, I was saying to myself, if this boat still won't turn, I'm going to have to knock it out with a hammer. Again, little prince disturbed myself. And you actually believe that the flowers... Oh, no, I cried. No, no, no. I don't believe anything. I answered you with the first thing that came to my head. Don't you see? I'm very busy with matters of consequence. He stared at me, thunderstruck. Matters of consequence. He looked at me there with my hammer in my hand, my fingers black with the engine grease, bending down over an object which seemed to him extremely ugly. He uh, talked just like the grown-ups. Well, that made me a little ashamed. But he went on relentlessly. I'm on this guy's side, because if I have to not die in a desert, there's a little boy asking me about flowers and sheep, I'd be like, I just gotta get this plane in the air so I can go home and not die. But the kid says you're just like the grown-ups, so now again I feel guilty. Now I see why Wanda made me read this. She just wants me to hate myself. Eh... That made me a little ashamed. Well, me too. But he went on relentlessly. You mix everything up together. You, you confuse everything. Ah, he's very angry. He tossed his golden curls in the breeze. I know a planet where there's a certain red-faced gentleman. He has never smelled a flower. He's ne- never looked at a star. He's never loved anyone. He has never done anything in his life. Uh, but add up figures. Oh, my God. This book is describing me. And all the ways, uh, all the days he says over and over, just like you, I'm busy with matters of consequence. And that makes him swell up with pride. But he's not a man. He's a mushroom. Uh, what? A mushroom. The little prince was now white with rage. The flowers have been growing up thorns for millions of years. For millions of years, the sheep have been eating them just the same. And it's not just a matter of consequence to try to understand why the flowers go to so much trouble to grow thorns, uh, which they are never any use to them. Is it the warfare burp between the sheep and the flowers not important? Is it not more consequence than a fat, red-faced gentleman's sums? And if I know, I myself, one flower which is unique in the world, which grows nowhere but on my planet, but which one little sheep can destroy in a single bite some morning without even noticing what he's doing. Oh, you think that is not important? His face turned from white to red as he continued. Ah, if, you, if, if someone loves a flower, 
of which one single blossom grows in all the millions and millions of stars. Is it enough to make him happy? Uh, just to look at the stars and you say to himself, eh, somewhere my flower is there. But if the sheep eats the flower, uh, in one moment all the stars will be darkened. And you will think that's not important. He could not say anything more. His words were choked by sobbing. Now there's a picture of some weird flower growing off the side of a moon that looks kind of like a human butt with like a sun behind it. Night had fallen. I had let my tools drop from my hands. Of what moment now was my hammer, my bolt, my thirst, my death? On one star, one planet, my planet, the Earth, there was a little prince to be comforted. I took him in my arms and rocked him, and I said to him, The flower that you love is not in danger. I will draw you a muzzle for your sheep. I will draw you a railing to put around your flower. I will... And I did not know what to say to him. I felt awkward and blundering. I did not know how I could reach him, where I could overtake him and go on hand in hand with him once more. It is such a secret place, the land of tears. Chapter 8 Ah, the rose arrives at the little prince's planet. I soon learned uh, to know this flower better. On the little prince's planet, the flowers had always been very simple. They had only one uh, ring of petals. They took up no room at all, and they were a trouble to nobody. One morning, they would appear in the grass, and by night, they had faded peacefully away. But one day, uh, from a scene blown from uh, no one knew where, a new flower had come up, and the little prince had watched very closely over a small sprout, which is not like all the other sprouts on his planet. It might, you see, have been a, a kind of baobab. Well, the shrub soon stopped growing and began to get ready to produce a flower. The little prince, who was present at the appearance of a huge bud, felt at once some sort of miraculous apparition might emerge from it, uh, but the flower was not satisfied to compete the preparations uh, for the beauty of the shelter of the green chamber. Uh, she chose her colors with the greatest care. Ah, she adjusted her petals one by one. She did not wish to go out in the world all rumpled like the field poppies. It was only in the full radiance of her beauty that she wished to appear. Oh, yes, she was a coquettish creature, and her mysterious adornment lasted for days and days. Then there's a picture of a weirdly kind of angry-looking little prince in a jumpsuit, staring at a flower. Then one morning, exactly at sunrise, she suddenly showed herself. And after working with all this painstaking precision, she yawned and said, I, I am scarcely awake, and I beg you will excuse me. My, my petals are still all disarranged. But the prince could not restrain his admiration. Oh, how beautiful you are. Am I not? The flower responded sweetly, and I was born at the same moment as the sun. Now the little prince could guess easily enough eh, that she was not any too modest, but how moving and exciting she was. I think it's time for breakfast, she added. Uh, instant later. If you would have the kindness to think of my needs. Then the little prince, completely abashed, went to look for a sprinkling can of fresh water. So he tended the flower. So, too, she began to quickly uh, torment him with her vanity, which was, if truth be known, a little yeah, difficult to deal with. Uh, one day, for instance, when she was speaking of her four thorns, she said to the little prince, uh, let the tigers come with their claws. 
Oh, there no tigers on my planet, the prince objected. Eh, anyways, tigers don't eat weeds. Well, I'm not a weed, the flower replied sweetly. And uh, now there's a picture of a, a tiger eating a flower. Eh, please excuse me. No, I'm not afraid of uh, at all of tigers, she went on. But I have a horror of drafts. Suppose you would have a screen for me? A horror of drafts. That's bad luck for a plant, remarked the little prince, and to himself, a flower is a very complex creature. At night, I want you to put me under a glass globe. If it's very cold where you live, in the place I came from, and then it shows a, a painting of the little prince with a huge scarf, wearing a green jumpsuit this time, uh, putting up a screen in front of the plant. But she interrupted herself at that point. She had come in the form of a seed. She could not known anything of any other worlds. Embarrassed over having let herself be caught on the verge of, uh, oh my God, it's the same word again, N-A, Japanese symbol E. Naive untruth? She coughed two or three times in order to put the little prince in the wrong. The screen... Now I just got to look for it when you spoke to me. Then she forced her cough a little more so that she could suffer from remorse just the same. So the little prince, in spite of all the good that was inseparable from his love, had soon come to doubt her. He had taken seriously words which were without importance and it made him very unhappy. I ought not have listened to her. He confided to me one day. One never ought to listen to flowers. One should simply look at them and breathe their fragrance. Mine perfumed all my planet. But I did not know how to take pleasure in all her grace. The tale of claws, which disturbed me so much, should only have filled my heart with tenderness and pity. And he continued his confidences. In fact, it is that I did not know how to understand anything. I ought to have had judged by deeds, but not words. She cast her fragrance and her radiance over me, and I ought not to have run away from her. I ought to have guessed all the affection that lay behind her poor little stratagems. Flowers are they're so inconsistent, but I was too young to know how to love her. let's retire into the smoking room and talk about uh, what happened in this book so far in the first half. Uh, we we found out that uh, if you're flying a plane, you crash in the desert. You, uh, you know, trying to fix your plane desperately because you don't want to die. If a little child comes up to you, a, a small man, and he says to you, hey, uh, draw me a picture of a sheep, just do it. Just do it. You're never going to get that plane fixed if this kid keeps yelling at you. So you, 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 fix your, you take the time to draw a picture of a sheep, and he's like, that's ah, not good enough. That one looks weird, and that one's too old, and that one looks like the devil. And so then you just finally you get it. You find draw a picture of a box, and there's a sheep in the box. And he's like, ah, that's good. And then just work on your plane. For God's sake, get home. You're going to die out there. Uh, and then he'll talk to you about where he comes from, which is a insanely small planet, to the point where you can't build a house on it. Uh, is there weather on his planet? We don't know. Does he ever have tiny tornadoes? That sounds adorable. Do they destroy his crops? Uh, how does he eat? We don't know any of these things, but we do know that he grew a flower that was real fussy and real demanding of him. And uh, kind of lied. There's a little bit of deceit 
happening with the flower. Uh, I imagine the flower uh, probably represents some sort of love in the author's life uh, because uh, he talks about how he's too young to understand how to please it. So that was kind of a giveaway for me. But uh, we'll find out in the next half of the book if the flower is his girlfriend the whole time. And uh, what's good about this? Well, it's a cute story. Uh, We know that from what I've looked up, is that uh, this book was never really decided if it's a kid's book or an adult book, because it has kid's language for a kid's story, but adult themes. So already with the flower, it's kind of making me think, like, ah, this is kind of a grown-up that's got some pain in his life. Uh, what sucks? The guy just wants to get home. He just wants to go home. He's in the desert. He's going to die out there, and this kid's constantly bugging him all the time and judging him. That's the other thing. The kid keeps judging him. I get it. I have teenage daughters. They judge me all the time. Uh, they they make fun of my pants. And then something inside me kind of crumples up. And I'm like, sort of like a... Because I, I want to be cool. For most of their lives, I was the coolest person on earth. They walked around thinking about me in their free time when they're at school. But now they don't think about me at all. And so when they say, why don't you wear those pants? Then I say, eh, I, ironically... I'm making fun of the kind of pants a guy like me might wear, but I don't do this for real. That kind of thing. So when this kid is uh, you know, picking on him and stuff, and he wants to be cool, so he's, he's trying hard. He's drawing pictures for the kids. Also, what sucks? Clearly Wanda picked this book out just to get to me. So if you're upset about that because you're thinking, oh, Glenn's my boy. No one picks on Glenn. Why don't you go over to buymeacoffee.com slash words underscore ideas underscore pod and throw some money at her uh, to get her to leave me alone. Well, what do we learn? Well, we learn that uh, if a kid draws a picture and you get it wrong, you're a horrible human being. So far, we still have to read the other half of the book. Well, with that, uh, thanks for listening, and I will see you next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. 
Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left. 